went, Skinner, huh? Giskinner, does heave. Giskinner, Nequa, Giatha, or Gisogs, Disna, Wakachanetti, Hana, Gana, Gira. Twent, Rajisogs, Giatha, Taylor, Disna, Wakachanetti, Hana, Gana, Gira, Nikwe. And we're happy you guys are here too. Listening to us speak Skirudit, uh, especially since today's episode, we sat down with our very own language teacher, Yeti Hintdiati Bissell. But before we get to that interview, we have a quick PSA. Put away that McDonald's and eat more whole food. Processed foods tend to be loaded with excess sodium and preservatives to extend shelf life. Consuming whole foods, foods that come without or with minimal packaging, is healthier for both you and the environment. Also, focus on eating food that is locally produced. Try checking out a local farmer's market for your groceries. Welcome back to the show. Now let's get to our interview with Yeti Hatiati or Betsy Bissell. The first question I have for Betsy is, how did you get started speaking Tuscarora? And what's like the earliest you can remember learning it and teaching it? Brad, well, thank you for inviting me here. And my first memories of speaking Tuscarora. I know my mother could count to 10. So I remember counting to 10. Oh, yeah. And her basic words that she did know were like, dog, geese, and pig, squeeze, squeeze. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's common, kind of common yes. words. <laughs> Um, but that's my first memory of it. Um, I also remember going to school in March Printup, starting to teach at the Tuscarora Elementary School. But she came in the year I was shipped out to Eric Road. So I missed her being in the classroom. Mm. But when March started, she also had um, after-school classes and evening classes. So when that first began, I, I was a part of that group that came back for after-school classes and eventually the evening classes. But you know, as you get older and into the high school, you get into sports and all that, and that kind of took me away from the language for a while. How did you How did you start getting back into it and getting back into the teaching part of it? Because it's not a lot of people are all oh, teaching Tuscarora right now, and you're one of the premier people doing it, I would say. Hmm. So what, what drives you to keep pushing on the language? That's a very interesting question. Uh, let's see. I landed a job at the Tuscarora School as a teaching assistant. And I worked there as the assistant for numerous years. And one of my years as the assistant was to work with March Printup. And I uh, worked with her for a whole year and I just loved the language. I really got sucked into how it all fit together and, and how she was working with it. And I also knew that my grandmother spoke. So that gave me an avenue to pursue it a little bit more um, in depth, so I would go and visit my grandma. But as a new language speaker, I know some of you are, understand this. You know, you go and you ask somebody, "How do you say one word?" Oh yeah. And then <laughs> <laughs> you have the one word. Yeah. How are you going to use that one word? Yeah. And I remember taking a book to my grandma's house, and it was like you know a little kitty book. You open a page and it says run. You open the next page, it says walk. And I first page opened up and I says, "Okay, grandma." And I show her the book, run. And she looked at me, and she looked at me, and she says, are you running? I'm like, no. <laughs> I didn't know what she was talking yeah. about. And it wasn't until much later on that I realized when you're talking Tuscarora, you need to know what the, who the person is that's doing the action. Mm -hmm. You know, you just can't say, just run. It's a 
part of other things that are attached to the beginning, at the end. You know, are you doing it now? Did you already do it in the past? You know, are you going to be doing it? Are you still doing it? Mm -hmm. All that matters. And so being a beginner learner, you know, <laughs> I thought that was an easy <laughs> word. <laughs> Come to find out, it was very complicated. Yeah, I think that's one of the harder things about Tuscarora is that the words constantly build on itself and there's negations and they're adding stuff on and you got to get used to hearing different sounds and talking to people. So that's it's tough. Once you can start, once you can get talking to people and hearing it, hearing the language, it really becomes easier to learn. It's crazy though, because like our language, like like you're saying, you can't just have one word. It's like they're all just they're it's a whole sentence. You it's know? like it a building block. You yeah. have to put all the pieces together to make it all work. Um, do you have any advice for any first time listeners out there? Listeners, Tuscarora speakers out there, uh, for people who might who might be a little shy and don't want to just start maybe feel like they don't have the time to learn it uh well first time speakers um i'm going to say this if you're an adult and you're learning this for the first time you have to get into a comfort level because i know when i have adult language class and i do this every year when they all come in i tell them you're going to feel funny you're going to make mistakes we all make mistakes and we all just want to laugh about it and get it out there and then continue on um Working with adults, that's their biggest issue is they don't want to say it wrong. Mm -hmm. Working with kids, kids are little sponges. So if you know some words and you see a little kid, work with a little kid because they'll just repeat anything that you say. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they repeat some bad words that you say. <laughs> Why don't you say these little kids? Um, but yeah, kids are very, way easier to teach than adults because of that that, um, that issue that yeah, yeah. Exactly. I like that sponginess <laughs> <laughs> or lack of <laughs> old sponges are hard to wash <laughs> that's why it's harder to teach older people <laughs> you know those adults are the, are the people who are going to go teach their kids and it's going to that's how widespread learning will happen so it's exactly, really cool exactly so that's why I'm still pushing for an immersion program for adults because mm -hmm. we need adult speakers, we need to hear it in conversation, we need to yeah. hear it outside the classroom, we need to hear it in the community. Yeah. So that's that's my big goal. I've heard a, I heard a statistic over I think it was on Facebook or Instagram. It said a language dies every two weeks around the world, and that's just throughout the whole world and all the different cultures. Mm -hmm. And we're lucky that we have people in Tuscarora still keeping the language alive. So we are it's super cool. And uh, even as as much as I've learned from Howdy. There's been many times that he's just looked at me and laughed. <laughs> and I obviously said the word wrong. <laughs> yeah, and that's interesting too. Like you're even still learning. Like oh, absolutely. Words There's and... so much that I need to learn yet. Yeah. Um, and again, this this is a difficult part for me. Is that I was it was always in the teacher role. I was always putting out information as opposed mm -hmm. to receiving it. So <clears throat> when you are learning the language, I would really suggest finding a partner or someone that you can talk to. Yeah. And it's good that you guys are taking the language because yeah. when you're here at work, you can always practice with each other. Yeah, we do try it. We do a little bit. Yeah. could probably improve. Yeah. <laughs> I've, been I, I've been trying to uh, instill in the culture uh, Udesaguas, which I believe is good morning. Udesaguas. Okay, so I'm slowly working that into the culture here. It's hard because we're not all morning people so we don't like <laughs> I'll say I'll say and it takes a minute for them to think about what I'm saying and, but it's, it's you know just it's keep using in it there. Mm -hmm. yeah. keep using it and next thing you know they'll be responding yeah. back and have you had my coffee in the morning <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know we're, we're always trying to use it on our show too more so it'd be 
cool. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Every little bit helps, and every little bit builds onto the you know the next generation coming up. Mm -hmm. The more people that hear it, the better it is. Mm -hmm. And for those who are afraid of their little ones, you know, oh, we got to teach them English first. They're going to be so immersed in English that learning a second language isn't going to slow them down or deter them in any way. Mm -hmm. I took a, I went to a conference one time, and they were very adamant about saying. Um, kids are hotwired for multiple languages, so don't feel funny if you're teaching your one your child one way, and then don't feel like you have to translate for them. Yeah, yeah. and that was another issue I ran across <laughs> when I was doing a, a nest program. Was uh, my mother brought her granddaughter in to be part of the program, you know? And I would say, okay, this is God good idea. My mother would say, that means red. And I'm like, mother, <laughs> she's too. She's gonna figure this out yeah. on her own. You know? Yeah. So that's a. That was a tricky part. But yeah, kids can get that. They just are geared for that. So the more mm -hmm. they hear it, the more the, you know, the language is there. Um, it also helps with their pronunciation because we have strange sounds mm -hmm. in the Scottish yeah, language. So, yeah. <laughs> um, if they hear it at a younger age, they're easier to pick that sound uh, up and be able yeah. to use it. Huh. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I know I was lucky enough to take your class when I was in the elementary school. And so, you know, having been away from it, like since I've been gone, going to college and stuff, and coming back and rehearing everything. I'm glad I had that foundation, but it's it's still weird coming back to it. Like, the sounds are, you know, we gotta like listen to it and it's hard, cause like, those sounds don't happen in English. Oh no, they don't, <laughs> you know. And, and um, I teach over at NU right now and, and the students in there, they haven't heard these sounds, it's difficult for them. So I'm not really nitpicky with them, mm -hmm. but like you have that theta K sound, that mm -hmm. scoff, they yeah. have a difficult with that or um, he said mm -hmm. you know those kind of sounds they they struggle on but you know I struggle too and it's just a matter of practicing and I would go home and say these words over and over and over again and and um, it's something that you have to say out loud you just can't say it in your head because that yeah. does not work you're not building the muscle memory <laughs> exactly <in your> <laughs> exactly because it does form differently in your mouth mm -hmm. and you do feel um, different, especially talking all day and you come home, your jaw does feel a little different. Mm -hmm. I remember taking a Mohawk immersion class because I wanted to see how an immersion class would work. So I went through the whole thing and, and my mouth would be tired because Mohawks also talk a different way than, than Skarude. Mm -hmm. So it was quite a, an interesting yeah. uh, direction I went there. I don't know. One of the things for me is when I went to Great Law and I heard the language, because they they talking Cayuga and Mohawk. I remember sitting there listening and not understanding a single thing. I didn't understand anything. But I remember that was big for me because it sort of instilled something in me, like I should probably learn my, my language. So it, I, it was good to sit through that and just hear it and realize that I need to learn my own language so I can understand whatever our part is and what are you know, the larger stories we have. So mm -hmm. there's another, it's always a bigger goal. You know, if you're just starting out and you need a goal to learn the language for, you know, for me, it's definitely so I can understand more of that and be able to have the mindset that's the same thing as those speakers. So. Well, going through the Mohawk immersion, I realized how close our languages are. One of the big differences is they have an N in, in place of our T. So if you switch the N and T around, that's one thing. And then they have two 
nasal sounds where we only have one nasal sound. So if I took their words, switched the N and T, substituted our nasal E for their nasal sounds, I could come up with some of their words that were exactly the same as ours, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, of course, they label things differently, like what they would call a table is different than what we call a table because we just described it differently. You know, mm -hmm. our word for table is something that you place the food on. That's but there are words out there where you say a word and you can just picture that whole thing in your head. It's very um, visual. The language mm -hmm. is very visual, I'll say that. Yeah. So I, I like, I, and that's the one thing about the way we're learning the language now because we have to tear the word apart to get to the roots of everything. Yeah. And then when you build it back up, it's like, oh, <clears throat> that's why they said it this way because it means this. And way back when, they saw it as this. So it also gives you insight to how our ancestors used to think. Mm. So yeah. I, I really like the, you know, the way that we're learning the language now as opposed to this means cup. Yeah, yeah, like kind of just how it is to the observer, right? Yeah. And learning sentence structures, and mm -hmm. that's cool. Mm -hmm. really. And you're more aware of stuff, so instead yeah. of saying a cup, like that's like a mug, like a cup of yeah, hot this, things. That is my mug. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that is my mug. <laughs> As opposed to a tool that you drink with. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. I see. Yeah. You know, I have actually I have a question. Um, so like when I first got back home, you know, hearing about all this cool stuff you guys are doing with the language, and I'm like, oh no, I'm freaking out, like, I need to learn the language, otherwise I'm never going to get it or anything. Did you ever have to deal with that kind of urgency, I guess, when trying to work on, like, teaching the language and, like, developing a language immersion program? Do you, I guess, you know, we have so few speakers left, like, how do you deal with that kind of... Oh, every now and then I go through bouts of panic. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. You know, yeah. Do I know enough? Did I get enough information? And everybody says, oh, you know, record, record, record. I have, I have, I have. <laughs> but then you have to sit down and you have to edit all that recording. So I could get like an hour's worth of tape, listen to the whole thing, and maybe get three minutes of good stuff on there. Mm -hmm. uh, working with elders and fluent speakers, you have to remember that they're elders and they want to visit too. You know, they, yeah. they miss that mm -hmm. socialness that we used to have a long time ago. We used to visit way more than we do now. I mean, I, I visit with my family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> she lives down the road. Everybody's here. <laughs> I guess it's just me and Jimmy. <laughs> That's sad. <laughs> but anyway, no, our elders, used to, they miss that social contactness. So when we used to get together to talk, they just wanted to talk. And they want to talk and know that you're understanding them. Mm -hmm. So if they're talking in Skaruda and I'm not understanding, they automatically switch back to English, mm -hmm. which was, that was difficult because I wanted to hear it just all in, in Skaruda. And they, but they needed me to understand. Mm -hmm. They wanted to converse with me. So that was a, a tricky part. So I would only get parts, you know, with Howdy or anybody else that I used to talk with. I used to talk with um, Dorothy Printup. Um, Shirley Chu would come to class too, so I had some time with Shirley. Um, Corliss Decker, uh, my grandma, till she passed away. So there were numerous elders that I would go in and work with. Uh, Delma Printup, one of them as well. Marge Printup, though, that one year with working with Marge was, I wish I, if I realized I went had a year with her, I think I would have really drilled her for some information, but I was just trying to absorb and get the feel of how she was teaching and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, she was a good one, though. 
she spoke very clear and very slowly for me. And I think that's one thing that I do. I, I know Howdy has commented on my speaking as well. He says, I speak too fast. And for the longest time, I didn't understand why he was saying I spoke too fast because I felt I was speaking the same rate as he would speak. But what he was saying was, I was missing my lengtheners. Mm. So like in Skarure, I wasn't dragging out the little lengthener parts. Yeah. And that's what I, I finally realized. So uh, working with a fluent speaker who just knows how to speak but doesn't know how to explain things, mm -hmm. I think that made my task a little bit more difficult. Mm -hmm. But then I found other resources. I have uh, the one thing I, I talk about all the time is I had gone to a conference, uh, Lynette and I were there, and Brian Maracle teaches over in, in Canada, and he was doing this whole presentation. And, sit next to Lynette and I said oh my goodness he had he had broken apart the word he had all of these little charts he had this whole grid of everything that you needed to learn I said that's what we need because I didn't know how to break apart our words I didn't know how they fit together and the girl turned around in front of me and said I can teach you <laughs> <laughs> like a movie scene I know, I know, <laughs> and she was a student of Brian Maracles and she came out for a whole year um, every week she came out and did sections of how the Mohawk was all put together. So that was my introduction to how Brian's program worked. Um, then uh, Ruchatmi Printup came onto the scene and he was looking for an immersion program that would work. So we visited a lot of the other communities. We went to Onondaga, we went to Akwesasne, I think we even went to Oneida. We went to a lot of places, but the only one that showed us that the adults can learn and be fluent in a short amount of time is Brian's program. Mm -hmm. So we went to Brian and, and he is so generous, you know. And I found that throughout um, Indian country that language people are very generous with their stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, you need something here. You want to work on this here. I have this for you here. They're very generous about um, getting that out because they know how important the language is. Mm -hmm. um, so we did go to Brian Miracle. He says, here, you want, you want this? He showed us his curriculum. Um, we went back numerous times to visit him. It was his program that I took over at NACS, the Mohawk Immersion Program. Mm -hmm. Another student of his was teaching it, so I sat through that. Um, so, like I said, there, I was lucky that we, <laughs> that we were at that conference, met this girl, <laughs> met Brian. Made all these connections. And it all just fell into place. So that's what we've been working on currently, is to take that program and turn it into Tuscora, which even though that sounds simple, it's not, not just copy and paste. Fortunately, no, yeah. because even though a lot of our words are the same, um, there's a lot that are not, or there's a lot that Howdy doesn't remember, or we say it a little different and we're not sure how it's supposed to fit. So mm -hmm. we have all of those things, um, luckily, you know, Lynette went back to school to be a linguist. Monty's still in school um, getting his doctorate in linguistics. So with, with that knowledge, we can draw on them. We can still draw on Brian. You know, he's willing to help us, and we can piece things together. So even though I, I'm a little panicky about Howdy's age, because he does turn 96 this coming you know, week, um, we have that knowledge base in there. So... We might not speak as good as Howdy did, but we're going to be pretty darn close. That's awesome. And yeah. I, I think a lot of people don't realize a lot of what um, immersion speakers and teachers 
are doing as volunteer or for very low pay if they even get paid. It's a thing, you know, if you're going if you're gonna go learn, you know, you gotta really have to appreciate the people who are passing all these this language down or doing it out of out of their panic <laughs> to keep the language <laughs> alive. So it's yeah, it's true. I do know with Brian's program, Brian set it up so that and he's a um, he looks for a lot of and in Canada they offer waiver grants and they do over here in the United States side. Um, so he's able to fund his program through grants and he does give his students a stipend because you're taking the students out of their home and they are adults. Adult people need a job. Mm -hmm. So he gives them a stipend and it's not a lot. Oh, well, I wanted to say $12, $12 an hour, 12 or 10, one of those two numbers, I forgot. Um, and they have to be there every day from, for six hours a day. So they get paid three hours a week wow. for 180, no, 1,080 hours. Ruth Chutney gave you that number. <laughs> 36 weeks, I think it comes out to about there. So every day they are there. And that stipend just helps them. You know, it's enough to, to get them to class, enough to pay for their, you know, their car and, and stuff like that. It doesn't replace a full-time job, but it helps, you know. And if yeah. you've got a, a young family, you need some kind of income coming in. You can't take that kind of time out of your day and then expect to... Oh, that was the other thing. He truly suggested to not have a part-time job because you go home, you have mm -hmm. to study. You need study time. And I know that's a big factor of it too. So that's why he insisted that we find some way to, to supplement our students coming in. Mm. And how, how long are those programs for? 36 weeks. 36 weeks. Yeah, okay. 30 hours a week for 36 weeks. And after that amount of time, um, according to the, he follows this, it's called a, oh, I forgot. ACTFL, we, we just call it ACTFL, <laughs> some kind of fluency chart, uh, but um, <clears throat> at the end of that 36 weeks, he goes by this chart and rates you on how well you can speak, and he said most people are at the above um, novice level, and some are even at the low intermediate level, which wow. is pretty pretty good score. I was say, so this past summer I took your guys' uh, language immersion program, and that's what I noticed, like, just after that one little week of doing it all day, of just speaking and just hearing it spoken, and, you know, the teachers making us, like, think in weird ways, like, tell me those two, ask those two to tell me those two's names, and I'm like, what? <laughs> but, like, after that, like, my brain was, like, it was, like, kind of firing, like, I was starting to get it, you know, and then. I could only imagine what, you know, you could do with, what, 30 hours a week, oh, 36 weeks? Yep. Yep. That's crazy. It is. And it's just amazing. And I've just seen his program by the end of two years, how fluent these people are. It's just amazing. Mm -hmm. Currently, uh, Christiana Ferguson is taking the class. Oh, yeah. Um, so That's she cool. wants to finish up year two, and she wants to go on to year three. Yeah. And we want her wow. to come back and do and the help. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> year what? Yeah. Yeah. Christiana, if you're listening. Come on, are we? And we know, we know you're a big fan. We know you're a big fan. <laughs> so, yeah, we have big plans. Awesome. That all That's sounds cool. really cool and good and uplifting for the future. Yeah. Um, well, now I'm going to pump but, for July, the week of the 16th. We're going to have our third annual summer camp, which okay. will be offered um, here at the Nation Building. It'll be all week, um, the 16th to the 20th. Keep that in mind. Uh, we haven't put it out there yet, okay. you know, we haven't fine-tuned everything yet, but that's the week that we're planning 
Thanks. All right, cool. Yeah, we'll definitely put it through our, our podcast whenever you guys denounce it. So That'd be great. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, and we're very grateful to have Betsy on today's episode. Big Nyala for coming on. Yeah, Nyala. And before we close out the show, a quick word from our sponsors. Right now, I want to encourage you to start using more natural cleaning products. Common household cleaning products contain chemicals that can contribute to chronic respiratory problems, allergic reactions, and headaches. These products also remain toxic in the environment. This year, consider making your own cleaning supplies using white vinegar and baking soda, along with other natural ingredients. Your family's health is top priority. Hey guys, before we close out this episode, I want to give a big nyawa to Yeti Hatiati, Betsy Bissell, for coming on our show and sharing her experiences teaching the language all these years. I also want to give a big nyawa to all our listeners who keep listening to us. It's really cool. Um, Taylor, do you have anything for this well, month? Well, Brad, Culture Night's coming up this Wednesday, May 17th, from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Tuscarora Elementary School. We'll have a booth there uh, where you can play our recycling game and get some native wildflower seed packets in the process. Uh, we'll also have some copies of our monthly newsletter uh, and general environmental info to pass on to you guys. So, hope you all can make it. Cool. And I also want to remind you guys that you can nominate people to come on our show by going on to our website or messaging us on Facebook. And that's all we got for this month. Ethgeka. Ethgeka. Our DNA is of earth and sky.